Welcome to Incubate This, where technology and business come together to help startups start up. Brought to you by GodandAppIdea.com. Hey everybody, this is Grant, Daryl, and Cynthia from Rika Technologies. Uh, on this episode of Incubate This, we're talking about the development process. So we realized that there are probably a lot of people who have never had software developed for them or never, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Never been involved yeah, in software. Yeah, never, never been involved in software or app development or anything like that. And so you may not be familiar with what is the process, how does it work. And so we thought we'd take a little bit of time and kind of talk about that. Um, what are some of the things to expect? Pitfalls? Um, just trying to kind of give you a level set of expectation for what's really involved when I start down the path of creating an app or creating a piece of software. Um, so. The first thing you need to know is it only takes two weeks for everything. <laughs> so so I, I liken this a lot to um, contracting on your house, right? We, we go into this process, best case scenario, we think we understand a budget, we think we understand the timing. And I would say that for new projects, it's even a little bit different than for an existing project, right? So mm -hmm. if we're starting fresh and you know there's nothing and we're coming in and we're saying, okay, we, we need to build from the ground up everything, that's one process. It's something a little bit different if there's something that already exists that we're having to like add features to or cobble it together or move from one hosting provider to another, right? For the purposes of today, we'll just talk about as if we're building a brand new something. So much like building a brand new house, you talk to an architect, you talk to, um, uh, when we did our house, we had a kitchen designer, we had carpenters, and we had drywall and paint people, and we had tile people. Plumbers, electricians, Plumbers, electricians, exactly. So talk a little bit about, so, so the first thing that I, that I think people don't realize is there's a lot, a lot, a lot that has to happen before code is ever written. Right? Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, it's just like a house. You have to have an architect, right? You have to have someone to draw out these plans. You have to plan this out. Um, otherwise, what kind of house would you get if you just said, I want a four bedroom house, two bathroom with a garage? Um, I mean, you know, a carpenter, if you just say, I want a four bedroom, two bathroom house with a garage, it's probably going to give you something livable, but it probably isn't going to be something you wanted, right? Because yeah. you can't read your mind. Yeah. Whereas with software, who, who knows what you're going to get? Wait, wait, wait. Software developers can't read my mind? No. No, as it turns out. And the problem, though, is that software is a lot more forgiving. You know, when you say, oh, that's not the room I want, and all it amounts to is deleting stuff. You delete you know, the lines room in a text file and writing new <laughs> lines. Um, so that's kind of the siren song of, you know, I'm going to sit down and write some code. You go find out what they want. <laughs> yeah, kind of mentality and um, you know sure there's times when I think actually it can be helpful to do that but your process is more efficient overall and everybody's everybody's expectations are both managed and met better the more planning that you do ahead of time and the more that you um, you know get things down I think as much as possible on paper so to speak especially the look of things okay 
And that's, that's why we have in software a role, a title called software architect, mm -hmm. right? It is a person whose job it is to take the requirements from, from the <laughs> I'm a people person. <laughs> So what is, what is that design process, right? So we've said a couple, you know, we're kind of touching on that. The, the very first part is design. <coughs> and I would say there's, what you're pointing to is there's an architect, and he's probably doing some high-level systems design, some software design. What about from a visual perspective? Is that something that happens up front? And does it make sense to have that happen up front? Is there a piece of it that happens up front and another piece that comes later? Like, if, if for somebody who's never built an app, at what point do they go out and get a designer to make an app make what they want pretty? That's a good question. Um, I mean, assuming you've done your due diligence, you've determined that there is a market for what you want, um, at that point when you're actually designing this product, this app, I think it's pretty important to bring someone in that understands user experience. Okay, talk know. about what is user experience and how is that different from a designer? Um, I hate to phrase it this way, but a designer is making it look pretty. That's not, that's oversimplification for sure. Agreed. Right? Um, but that's, that, that's kind of it, whereas user experience is... Um, Workflows. Workflow, you know, what's, what's the best way to get them to their end goal with Simply, the fewest number quickly. of taps or clicks. Yeah. Right, um, yeah. which is a lot more complex than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of people also don't realize that people hate to have to tap and click down fifty times to get to what they want, right. especially if it's something they have to do a lot. Yeah. So that's what a UX designer will come in and do, and, and say, how can we get them to their end goal as fast as possible? Mm -hmm. um, and then a designer, I think, is going to come in and say, how can we give them something like that that is visually appealing? You know, so they understand probably really intricate things like color color theory, you yeah. know, which is, again, that's not easy at all. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's the exact perfect shade of purple? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that in our experience, we have been involved in projects where people had design involved very, very early in the process mm -hmm. because they think, oh, if I plan it all out, then all the, de all the developers have to do is take all my screens in my design and code it, right? And that seems really logical because like when, when we are talking about a house, it's kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. Sort of like you need to see all of it and then they can figure out where are the walls supposed to go and where's the footer for the foundation supposed to go and where are the roof pitches and mm -hmm. whatever, right? What's different about it is that how you interact with something in a design, in a mock-up, in a, in a wireframe even, is very different than how you interact with it when it's on a device in your right. hand. And not all designers understand scale really well. Yeah, well, they don't, they, they're not thinking about latency. You know? They're not thinking about what happens if you tap this button necessarily, sometimes, and yeah. a UX person is more so. What happens if you tap this button and nothing happens for eight seconds? Right. You know, um, right. That, a user is going to go away, but they, they're not thinking like that. They're right. thinking, I want this button to look this way. It needs to be this size and it needs to be this distance from this other thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame them for yeah. not thinking that way. That's not really their job. That's more UX and that's kind of a little bit of our job to think, hey, we, maybe we should put a little spinner up to let them know something's happening in the background. Right. How often, 
does the design, how important is the design process really? I mean, is there ever a case where we just jump in and start writing code and say we can work out the details and user experience later? I think all the time there's, I mean, there's a, an infinite number of cases where that would be the case. I mean, sometimes you need to prove that you can actually mechanically do something functionally actually make it happen. I mean, back when, uh, if everything was a website, that's really kind of a foregone conclusion. You know, pretty much whatever you want to have happen on that page, you can figure out a way to make it happen. Um, but in the mobile world, that's not the case as much. There are limitations that it seems like you run into sometimes where it's like, wow, that's just not doable that yeah. way. Yeah. So um, I think that sometimes, for me anyway, jumping in and trying to trying to make something kind of work end to end. <laughs> I'm just going to move this. One moment, please. It's when you moved your hand, it started oh. rubbing on your shirt. There you go. Don't move my hands. No, 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 you're okay. Don't move your hands, just don't. Right. Do <laughs> you're fine now. <laughs> and now we're back. Hi. Yeah, hi. <laughs> what camera? So. <coughs> excuse me, I don't good. remember what. You were saying uh, jumping right into coding something versus you know spending time in the design process. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't think you know, really to go back to your question the way it might be thought of is I don't think of it as doing that first, more like somebody is going to go over to the side here and see how does this look to be able to get, you you know, use these, these functionalities of, say, geolocation and this and that and the other and be able to access these. How will that fit together? Somebody can go off and do that while other people are actually getting more of a feel for the context of the whole app and kind of getting that design going. Um, just because some, sometimes you run into something in that, in that mechanical proof of concept that says, oh, well, really the best, the only way to do, you know, it would be better if we redesign these two screens in the way that they work because of the way this actually works. Sometimes the interface has to conform a little bit to some limitation there and it'll make it better. It'll make the overall experience better. Yeah. So as much as design can inform technology, sometimes the technology or the underlying technological constraints can also limit the design. Mm -hmm. And that, that is something that is, it, I, I, I su uh, suppose or posit that that's something that you don't always know when you start, too. Definitely. You almost never know. And, and limit may be the wrong word. Um, it's just that, say, a paradigm that we have always used you know, in a web environment, you know, Ajax, the way, and the way we would do that in response to something being clicked, and we'd go get some data in JavaScript with Ajax, and we'd do some stuff, and then we'd throw it into the page. Um, we may go into an app with that same kind of, oh, that's how we'll do this, right? You might, you might not even be thinking about that, putting too much thought, and then you get into what you're getting and going, oh, the way that, you know, the timing of the way this has to happen, you know, I think we're going to have to go out and get the data on the server first and send it with, you know, before, it, it, may, it may require a different way of doing it, but it's not necessarily limiting, like, it doesn't necessarily make the app behave worse or anything, it's just that, when we went at it, it was like, oh, we need to go take a different route in this environment yeah. for this kind of stuff. Yeah. A good example that I can think of was about 10, 12 years ago, 
all the rage were rounded corners. Yeah. Right. Because is Apple. That, is right? that not a thing anymore? Uh, well, it, but it's <laughs> it's it's nobody thinks about it. But mm -hmm. the problem was is that all the rage because of Apple were rounded corners, except that some browsers, you it was hard to do rounded corners. Yeah. And so. I would work with, design, the, the, with the designers that wanted rounded quarters everywhere, and I would have to go back to them and say, we can do that, but that's going to add however long. That's going to add a lot of time to the project because this one browser, yeah. I shall not name, but its initials yeah. are IE, um, <laughs> didn't support CSS rounded corners. Yeah. And so you had to do it in images. You had to go you know, through oh, these that's convoluted right. we had these ways. image sprites for that, didn't we? Yeah, and, I and so that. then what do you do? You know, it was just this whole thing. You'd have to have a rounded corner. You'd have to have the top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, you know, yeah. uh, an image for each one of those. And then, and then also your borders, depending on what that rounded corner looked like, you may have to have images for those too yeah. because they didn't necessarily yeah. fit properly. So then it would be going back to the designer and say, I need, these I need image all files. of these images. Yeah. And sometimes they would go, uh, what? Yeah. just redo the design. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, and, but sometimes they would go, hey, this is what we want. This is what the client wants. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a little bit back corner and forth. Corner an <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> it's not really a corner anymore. It's kind of a... Rounded edge. <laughs> um, the bulge. <laughs> Um, so, that's it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> We're not perfect. We lose our trains of thought. We get yeah. sidetracked with other things. <laughs> Error oh. 404. Daryl makes noise, iPad. breaks his iPad. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, you sort of touched on it just now. We try very, very hard when we, before we start a project to estimate time, cost, mm -hmm. other things that people need to be aware of, you know, other costs outside of the actual development process. Because remember, when you build something, if it's hosted on the web they or if it's, come. what's that? They will it come. They will come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's hosted on the web, there's hosting costs. There's potentially, if you're doing text messaging or push notifications, there's potentially costs for a provider for those services. Um, if you're doing email, I know it seems really crazy, but you do actually have to pay for an email, uh, a transactional email service or a, a marketing email service like Constant Contact or SendGrid or uh, MailChimp um, because you can't just send email and hope for the best that it gets to your end user, particularly when them getting that email will make the difference about whether or not they ever show up at your site again. Um, and so there's all these other ancillary things. And so we try and create projects and create proposals for our clients where we take into account all of those things that you need to take, that, that you're going to need to prepare for, that you're going to need to budget for. But the biggest thing, all those things are important and they all have costs, but the biggest thing does come down to software development, user experience design, and, and uh, graphic design, you know, picking your colors, picking your fonts. Um, creating your logos, your brand. It's, it's oftentimes, a lot of people in our experience that, we, that we've spoken to about this topic, they say, you know, the biggest frustration with working with a software company or working with software developers is that they tell me one thing that's going to cost $100,000 and it's going to take six months, 
And by the end of the project, it's been a year and it's cost me $175,000. And that's really frustrating because why couldn't they just tell me that up front? First thing I'll say about that being sort of the business side of the trio is that oftentimes those estimates and timeframes came from a developer. Developers are notoriously bad at estimating. <laughs> they're, they're almost always off by a factor of at least 50%. And that's not because they don't know what they're doing. It <laughs> well, Grant doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> but it's more, a fa it's more a product of developers we're optimistic. They're very optimistic. And the, the, for the first 90% of the project, they'll be right on every time. The problem is that the last 10% of the project actually is what takes 90% of the time. It's all the little stuff and all the little wirings and the, and the oh, we forgot, we forgot that every time we work with a designer, they always make a whole bunch of last minute changes that extend the timeline by at least four to six weeks. Because while it's just paint on the surface, what a designer provides, it's not. It's, it's, it's hard to completely decouple that to be able to say, oh, we'll just take this skin off and put this skin on, and it's really simple. You know, how many times in projects have we had, we had a project that we just launched at the beginning of this year where we were ready to go end of October, and then they wanted to make these minor design changes. Yeah. Right? And it looks minor, but they were, they were changing how somebody interacted with a form. They're like, oh, we just want to move these things up here, and we want to move these things down here, and then we want it to go to this page when they're done. It's like, that's, that's logic now that you're getting involved with, and especially when you're talking about like form validation, right. moving fields around and changing where they are on the page can affect your form validation. Mm -hmm. Because you in, in talking about user experience, the logical sequence that a, that a user meets things also should be the logical sequence of how those things are validated. And I, I keep doing the air quotes. Do you, did you guys, <laughs> did you notice that on the la our no, very first video? Anything. Every time I said low code development, it was like putting air quotes. Really? I'm like, that's an actual <laughs> thing. I don't know why I keep doing that. Um, start doing underline. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Although that looks like no, no, too no, close no. To, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> that des design changes are, are more substantial than they appear a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, and you can often There's see more this. that has to be changed than just cosmetic stuff. Right. Even though it may look cosmetic. How many right. times have you gone to a form and filled it out and? You skipped a field for whatever reason. You didn't have that information, what you didn't think you needed or whatever. And you see it highlight red. Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa, I'm not ready for that yet. The form is telling you, oh, we're done. You know, I can't submit yeah. this. And yeah. you're like, I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. It's fine. And yeah. it, it could be that they just didn't think that people would skip that field. And, yeah. and the logic said, well, I got to have this field. And if you skip it, then... I gotta, I gotta alert you, you know. I gotta yeah. change it red and bold and flash and everything, and let you know that you skipped it. Yeah. And you're going, so, you yeah. know. Um, and it's those kind of little things that we have to think about. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of an, of another piece of this puzzle, which also is something that people complain about a lot in the software development process, which is that 
we all have been in this world for a very long time. And I don't think any one of us has ever been involved with a project where the original design, the original layout, the original look and feel survived for very long once it was launched in the marketplace. So if I'm a user, if, I, if I'm a, a person you know, looking at potentially building a business around a technology idea or building an app or something, where is that balance between putting something out that looks polished and looks nice and will not detract people? Like it's not gonna stop somebody from using it because it's so ugly that people are like, oh my God, this just doesn't even look professional. Yeah. But how do, you, how do you stop yourself from falling over that cliff where it all has to be perfect and I am using air quotes in this case, perfect, right. because that's, nothing's that's ever perfect. Unattainable. Yeah. How do, how do you get to, we always say that, that perfection is the enemy of progress, mm -hmm. and you have to know when good enough is good enough. When is good enough? Um, and how, how do you know, like, how do you as a developer know when you've hit good enough, and how do, how, how do, how do you, as a person building a business, how do you know when to say, okay, it's, it's just gotta be good enough now and I need feedback from an audience before I put more time and energy into it? I think one, way you, you, one thing you have to do is ask yourself, you know, I'm, I'm the expert at this, so I see this stuff. I see these, these you know, this, this line is thicker here and it's supposed to be this, this height. Well, is my customer gonna notice that? Mm. And if they do notice it, is it gonna send them running? You know, or mm -hmm. is it just that line is thicker? Um, that's kind of a bad example because that's an easy fix. But you you kind of have to ask yourself a lot of yeah. those questions. Of is it is it really that important that we fix this thing right now? Yeah. You know, we can always put it on a punch out list to follow up after we launch this thing. Right. Um, but I think your other question was when do we say we got to launch? When do we launch this thing? Yeah. Um, when we're out of money. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to get it in front of the customer as soon as possible, as soon as you can, and have to be, you have to brace yourself that you might be embarrassed, because right. you're going to be. That's the thing, is when you brought up the, the uh, low survival rate of original designs in terms of how things look, that's an argument for not planning. You know, it's an argument for, for implementing as fast as possible so that you can get a look at that and say, is this really... You know, what I saw in my mind, what, I, what looked good on paper, does it really work? Um, you know, which is what our service is for. Yeah, yeah. because uh, you often can't know that. You have to get it in front of the customer as fast as possible so that you can determine if there's a market or what they're thinking, and the feedback you get from that is incredibly valuable. Yeah. You know, if you try to build this perfect thing and get it out there, there's a good possibility that you've got at least one, probably two or three other competitors out there that are going, I'm getting it out there. Yeah. You know, and they're going to pass you by just because they're going to execute better. Yeah. Because they're not striving for that non-existent perfection. Right, right. How important do you think it is? I, there's, I, this is sort of a, I don't know where I'm going with it yet, but go with me on this journey. That's good. <laughs> um, I have seen people, we have seen people who are like, oh, they think that because nothing, nothing else like this exists, mm. that that means it's a good idea. More, most of the time, it's not actually true that something like it doesn't exist. Every now and then, 
but a lot of times there is already somebody who's out there in the market. Maybe they're not well known, maybe they didn't do a good job with it. So I guess what I'm asking is, how important is it to have a truly original idea or is it more important to have your idea be a better execution of something that people have already shown they want? I think the way to think about this is you're one of seven billion people. The chances that you came up with a wholly original idea that no one else has come up with is very, very slim. Mm -hmm. I mean, even think about the web, right? Think about a web browser and, and all that technology. He put together, I mean, it was a wonderful idea. It was a wonderfully original idea, but he wasn't the only one that had a lot of these ideas, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and some could argue he wasn't the first that came up with that, that idea. But he executed better. Yeah. You know? And we all owe him a great debt of gratitude for doing what he did, Tim Berners-Lee. But I don't, I don't, I think people focus on that too much. That, yeah, oh, it, yeah this isn't, this isn't new. This is, you know, someone else is doing this. Good. Do it better. Do it better. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, I think one of the things that we tell people a lot in the, in the early stages of doing a competitive analysis and um, building out market research materials and, and coming up with all this stuff is, is competitors are not a bad thing. Competitors are how you understand market cap. They're how you understand demand. They're how you understand pricing. I mean, a, a lot of times you'll think, oh, I have this idea for an app and uh, if I, I could probably get $5 a month for it. You know, the app is free. And then, you know, you can use it free for 30 days or whatever. And then after that, you pay $5 a month. And that seems really reasonable. Except that you have two other companies in the marketplace who are doing something similar, not exactly like what you're trying to do, but something similar. And they're free. Like free, free, free. You can use it for free. Like maybe they have some in-app purchases. Understanding how your competitors price themselves in the marketplace and how you're relative to those competitors makes it a lot more likely that the first touch, the first contact you have with your first body of users is going to result in more sales for you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm pointed to that. We, we started out talking about the software development process. This all is important in the process too, I guess is what I'm saying, is understanding who, who is your audience, who are your targets, who are you trying to sell to, and how do you find those people? How do you reach them? And having a competitor oftentimes can direct you to that. Mm -hmm. And also having a competitor can show you what features are people really using in a competitor's product? And should I spend time on this other thing? If it makes you different, maybe you need to spend more time on that. But maybe you don't because did that other product used to have that thing and now it doesn't because people never used it or people didn't care about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, you, you, Grant is probably the most idea-oriented guy in the group. Um, not that we don't all come up with ideas for things all the time. Um, but we're working on a project internally right now that has, there are definitely some examples in the market of like, okay, here's one kind of cut at that thing. Um, here's, here's an example that's a little bit different, but it's in the same vein. When you're thinking through an idea and you're looking out in the marketplace to see 
what are I, I mean? Are, what's your process? Do you have a process? Is it just sort no. of no? No. <laughs> <laughs> this particular idea was scratching your own itch, kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of something that you said. This would be really useful to me. Yeah, I want this. Yeah. Which which is great. I mean, it, it, as best I can tell, some of the best ideas in the world are were that was the germination. Yeah. You know, I mean, you think of Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, they just wanted their own home computer. Yeah. You know, and... Screw caps on beer. Screw yeah. caps on beer. Pop, yeah. pop, uh, pull tabs on a... I can't cocaine. find the can opener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, I think that's, that's where you start a lot of times. Is, yeah. Man, I wish... If, if you've ever said to yourself, man, I wish there were an app that would do X, well, you might actually have a real idea there. Mm -hmm. And the point being made is that just because it may not be wholly original, that doesn't mean it's not uh, viable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because right, cool. who's to say that the other good. guys are doing it the right way, right? Yeah. I mean, if they've gotten a little bit of market traction and you come in uh, and you do it a little bit better, you know, you just shift it over a couple of degrees. Um, and the best example I can come up with is Yahoo and Google, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Google just, they simplified it just a little bit, right? They, I mean, they you were mean apparently- in terms of a search engine. In terms no, of, in they, terms they, of a search engine. They're dramatically different. I mean, it doesn't, it's, when it shouldn't emphasize, it only has to be this much different. Google's dramatically different from Yahoo. Their, their search, their search algorithm is completely different, right? I mean, that was their thing, was that they were scientists, right? I mean, in the whole scheme of things, what- The idea of it, yeah, search in the web, I guess. Um, no, I'm saying they refined it. Google refined it, and they 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 simplified it, simplified it in in probably dramatic ways. I mean, Yahoo at the time had all this stuff on their page plus the search bar, and Google was like, "We want nothing on this page except for the search bar." And, and it's still that way and today. And it's still that way. They were neurotic about it. I mean, they were down to pixel by pixel. They wanted it so simple because they wanted you to get you to your search results that much faster, and they wanted to get you get you better search results. Yeah. You know, I mean, to us, you know, it it seems. Well, it is dramatically different on the back end in terms of the technology, yes. which is what Grant's pointing yes. to. It's dramatically so. different. But to the end user, they were like, "Why are you know, I, you know, uh, people that aren't in in technology? You show them their that, and they're going to go, well, they're they're search engines. Yeah. Except that." They all went to Google, yeah. you know, yeah, and there was a reason yeah. for that. <laughs> all right. So, last thoughts on this? On this? Any anything that we've talked about? Or if if, if you were going to give a piece of advice to somebody who was coming to you and saying, "I have this app idea, or I have this technology idea, I have this device idea," what's what's your advice to that person? For me, I, I you know I, I start to look to see what's out in the world that's related or like this thing. Um, because the idea itself, the idea that comes to you may not be original. And when you go out and look at what's other implementations of that idea, then that may trigger you with the original idea of like, oh, well, what if we did this? Mm -hmm. What if we took what's out there and we did this twist to it? You know, Coke, Pepsi, Facebook, MySpace, you know. That's, there's a whole list of, of the also-rans that are the winners. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like what's out there, and then I think you check with some people that are close to you about what they think about it. 
And then you, know, you just find out more information. I mean, all research is the same in a way. You start out with some broad questions and you go out looking for the answers to those broad questions and that drives more specific questions. And then you start answering those and the questions keep getting more specific and so do the answers until you're down to a place where like your your answer's yes or no. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. So what you're pointing to is it's not I have an idea, I need a software developer. <laughs> right? There there's more to do before you really get to a yes or a no about moving forward. You well, if you got, you know, if you feel like throwing money at it, you don't have to go <laughs> any further than that. You can just say, hey, I need a software developer for my, for my idea. But your idea is for cataloging eight track tapes. Hey, <laughs> shut up. I'm paying you. Okay, eight tracks. Yay. We love eight tracks. Betamax. You know, so if you get the money, get, get the developer. Right. <laughs> We're for hire. Right. <laughs> Daryl? I think Grant touched on one thing. Uh, he hinted at it, which is when you have that idea, you don't go into stealth mode. Mm. You go asking people. You know, you go, hey, I have this idea. What do you think? You do that research, and you ask those broad questions to refine. And if you go into stealth mode, then how are you going to get that information? Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and my gut tells me that if if you're thinking, I just need to throw money at this and hire developers without doing that research, then you're probably thinking, I need to be in stealth mode because I'm afraid someone's going to steal this idea. Mm. And the reality is, is, I think someone might steal that idea. Maybe. Can they execute that idea better than you? Maybe they can, maybe they can't. And that's a really good point. So a lot of times we have people say, oh, you know, they get, they get scared in the early stages of entrepreneur because they're like, well, if I have to go talk to all these people, somebody's going to steal my idea and they're going to go off and do it while I'm, you know, in the in this period of like working through my prototype and figuring out, you know, my market cap and my market research and all of that. And what you just said is exactly true. First of all, yes, somebody could take your idea. They could they could take your idea and they could go implement it and they could go work on it and they could put it out and they could be before you. We've never seen it happen. <laughs> Because they still have to do the same research that you're doing. They, they, have still have, they still have to go figure out how to find the people the same way that you are working on finding your people. They, still, they don't know anything more about your audience. And as we've said time and time again, this is pro tip number one when it comes to, to building an app. Building an app, putting it on the app store does not equal money. <laughs> does not equal an audience. So, as far as stealing the idea, having an app does not mean profits. No. Or having an idea does yeah, not mean profits. Exactly. So that's why somebody stealing your idea is kind of like, so what? Yeah. Um, are you going to get it done? Are you going to execute? And that, that is the piece that when we say there's this gap that exists between having an idea and I need money or I need funding or I need an investor. An investor is looking for execution. We want, everybody's seen Shark Tank, right? I mean, it, it, probably everybody's seen Shark Tank at least once, understands the concept. I've actually never seen Shark Tank. You should watch it. Yeah. Because the very first thing that happens on Shark Tank is they want to see the thing. So if it's a widget that you're producing or, you know, this, I remember watching one lady who, who made these like onesies, like uh, baby infant clothes that were different somehow. And I don't remember how, so I, I apologize. but. They were like, well, show it to us. And so she comes out and she actually has some of these things. And they say, well, how much have you sold already? And, and 
a lot of people, they don't realize what it took and what she had to do to get to the point where she could say, I had $100,000 in sales last year, and here's the thing, and my manufacturers are you know, in Georgia or wherever they were. All of that stuff has to happen before an investor wants to get involved because they want to see that not only can your idea be executed and is there a market for it, because they're not interested in throwing money at something that could be nothing. They want to know that you can execute on it, that you are the person who's going to show up every day and do all the stuff that has to be done. And that is by far a bigger, what's the word I'm looking for? Ask. It's no, no, no. It's, it's the thing that's going, it's, 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 that is the thing that will prove oh, in yeah. more cases. Indicative. Yeah. It's more, in, it's more indicative of success than anything else that you can possibly bring to the table. And that is I'm going to go, 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 go. I'm going to find all the things that I need to find. I'm going to keep pushing through however many no's it takes to get to the yes that I need to say, okay, you're my yes. We're going forward to keep going and make that thing happen. Yeah. And that, that would be my advice is you have to be the one to execute. And it doesn't matter if somebody steals your idea, do it better. Like actually get to the end, finish. Yep. Yeah. All right, Grant, Daryl, Cynthia, Rika Technologies, this has been Incubate This. Visit us at gotanappidea.com if you have an app idea. See you next time. Looking for more tips, tricks, and advice for your startup? Visit us online at gotanappidea.com. 